0: Don't fight in the north or the south, fight every battle everywhere, always in your mind. Centuries, our families fought together. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. Right there, Check out the link together. below for all donations do and this. subscriptions yeah. and all social media. Today we are discussing Season 7 of Game of Thrones, Episode 10, The Dragon and the Wolf. Well, we did it. I didn't think it could be done. But we watched all episodes, seasons one through seven, Um, pretty much paid attention to every second of it with the exception of maybe, you know, maybe a handful of scenes at the couple, you know, the beginning of the seasons. Um, But the majority of it, we got a full series rewatch. So today we are discussing the final episode of season seven on the day that season 8 is dropping the first episode it is uh, currently the afternoon of uh, April 14th 2019 and we are in this crazy limbo of not knowing how our our one of our favorite series is uh, going to begin to end so um yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm really excited to finish this. Uh, this cast specifically because it kind of feels like we're, you know, this is a monumental chapter, kind of closing, um, closing of the chapter of a, a massive story and a massive endeavor that um, we took specifically on. We, you know, we've only been podcasting this for a couple of months now, but I mean, we've been watching for years, just along alongside many people that have been fans. Have caught up to the series throughout some of the craziest moments that we've witnessed together, and it has undoubtedly been one of the most talked about, culturally relevant television shows that uh, are going to affect our lifetime. And there's because of the way that television is set up now. um, There's not the right now television isn't being released episode by episode week by week they're being dropped in full-fledged forms you know they're giving full seasons like Netflix is giving a full season um, and so people are having to watch full seasons at their own pace and so it's not quite as conversational as it used to be when it comes to television talk like this is week by week we're gonna have a, a television show, and then we're gonna talk about it and listen to listen to podcasts and reviews about it. And uh, this is one of the television shows um, that are one of the last television shows that I would say are gonna follow this format for uh, a while. Now there are streaming Netflix, uh, Hulu, CBS, Disney Plus now. Um, you know, streaming services that are releasing shows week to week, but this is probably one of the last ones that will happen um, and on this large of a platform for a very long time. So um, I gotta say, I I don't regret rewatching the entire series at all. Uh, you know, some people are gonna you know, oh that's a lot of you know a lot of rewatching and even some of the you know episodes that weren't so hot. Um, still are better than a lot of television out right now. So um, let's see about what's going on. So the final episode of Season 7 is The Dragon and the Wolf, directed by Jeremy Podswa. Um, I do have a lot to say about the entire Season 7 as a whole, A lot has happened since uh, Season 6, Episode 10. First of all, the chopping of, uh, what is it, three episodes can be uh, chalked up to the majority of the problems of Season 7. A lot of people believe that Season 7 was, quote-unquote, rushed. And when we say that characters travel... Fast travel across the map in one episode, whereas it would take in previous seasons almost an entire season for them to get across the map. So there are a lot of yada yadas parts of Season 7 that you can either nitpick or you can go along with. And I guess I kind of had my nitpicks here and there, but I'll, I'll be a little bit more specific once we get down to it. But um, it was noticeable when it came down to um, a couple of the, the characters just randomly showing up across the map in the next episode. And now, watching it the first time, I remember everybody was freaking out about it. Watching it now, I'm I'm not quite freaking out about it as much, but it is just noticeable because of how much detail there was in the travel time of the characters in the previous seasons. It just is a little jarring when it comes down to um, season seven's travel time. Now, I understand that we are three episodes less than the majority of the previous game of thrones seasons but i mean some of the fast travel is just ridiculous it's almost like we got to get the you know set piece to set piece to set piece to you know to you know have a group of these important characters in one place to the next group of important people in the next place and there's just no time to have character development that is naturally occurring throughout the the season so that in itself is jarring so, um, the first episode, sorry, this, this, um, sorry, the first scene in the last episode of season seven is the arrival of, uh, Daenerys and Tyrion and, um, that whole gang, the Darth Rocky and, um, uh, everyone else arrivals to King Landing. Um, Jon is obviously with them and, um, it's this big influx of individuals who we've seen, Um, hours upon hours of, you know, character development. And they are just having some of the most, um, I guess, meaty conversation when it comes down to it. Because a lot of it is like, hey, you remember me? I remember you. You were on the other side of a battle that we were once fighting. And, you know, things didn't turn out. Now we got to be together and uh, fight against a new evil. And that's kind of how a lot of these conversations work out. And uh, whether we're talking about, um these characters like uh brienne and the hound coming back together which they obviously have good character development before all this but the fact that they we are limited on time so much that it's uh it takes away from some of the the gravitas we would normally get from these characters and so they are having to do to do a lot with a little bit of time so the first scene is everyone arriving together braun introducing you know the um the Lannisters and uh, Brianna Tarth and Pod and, you know, Masande and Varys and everyone's all there. And it's interesting to see how all of these uh, characters are intermingling for the first time. Having the Darth Rocky in Westeros is one of my favorite parts about um, having Daenerys over in Westeros. And, um, this, the, the jarring um, cultural differences is very interesting to see how that um, is played out. Um, I will say that, uh, you know, Pod and Tyrion, you know, they, they talk, it, it's like this big reunion of all of these characters that have been in previous, uh, series, seasons before, um, and they had, you know, long history, but they just don't have time to talk about anything, so this is, this episode comes after the episode Beyond the Wall, which is directed by Alan Taylor, um, Alan Taylor did a couple, he did, uh, directed Baylor and, uh, the final episode of season one as well. I forgot which one was that. Uh, I think he did fire and blood as well. He Alan Taylor is responsible for a couple of <clears throat> really high profile Game of Thrones see, uh, episodes. And he also directed beyond the wall um, season seven's episode six. Um, many people had problems with um, beyond the wall and, I mean, I can't blame them. I mean, it was a dumb plan to begin with and to lose a dragon and then have it come back as an ice dragon at the very end. I mean, I'm kind of yada yaddying a lot, but um, it's um, kind of a big deal just to get a, a white, bring it down to Cersei and have her basically deny the entire plan um, once we get down to episode 7 again. Um, it... Th- I, I can't excuse it. I don't know what to do or say about it because it's a stupid plan when they're coming up with it. No one in the room really interjects what they're saying. Um, Daenerys, the entire season, is having this odd shift in between of her trying to be, a, you know, a dragon, be a, what um, Princess Olena said, you know, be a dragon. And she, she tries to be a dragon in some parts and then other parts she decides to listen to um, Jon Snow and company. And it just, uh, it's jarring in some parts. And, um, like every, I think the majority of people agree that season seven probably peaked around the episode of the spoils of war. And I think that episode is relatively really good, really well directed. But, um, just some of, you know, some of the direction toward the end, obviously, um, some characters had plot armor, i.e. Jamie. So, um, along with the majority of season seven, there are a lot of, uh, contrivances and uh, Deus Ex us several times. There's two in um, Beyond the Wall. You remember uh, when John and company's uh, about to get taken out by the w- w- whites that are all around them? Um, D- uh, Drogon and Khaleesi, I mean, uh, Danny show up and save them, and then John falls in the water again for a stupid ass reason and, and then comes back out and Benjen again saves him, and then Benjen doesn't get on the horse, I mean, I don't want to talk about all these nitpick details that the majority of fans have already talked about, like, why didn't Jon get on the horse, why did Jon, uh, you know, not jump on Drogon, why did, um, you know, why did the Night King not, sh- you know, throw a spear at Drogon when he was closer than Viserion was, but, um, Tons of questions, tons of plot contrivances. I can't answer any of these questions, mostly just because I've just been listening to other uh, podcast reviews that have these same questions, and no one has a really good, uh, you know, salute answer, except for maybe the Night King might already know what's going to happen. And actually, I saw a picture that um, that had uh, Bran, and it uh, showed him kind of fading into a picture of the Night King, and it really did look like Bran is the Night King. So I can't get that image out of my head at the moment, but... Um, no solid proof that he is the Night King in some sort of weird fashion. But anyways, um, back to the, the season finale episode. Um, everybody is in a circle to, uh, to go see, um, Daenerys and I think it's called the Dragon Pits or something like that. It looks like some sort of Colosseum. And, uh, um, the Hound is talking about how he doesn't want to die in, in the shit city again. And, uh. I do gotta say, I think some of the uh, the writing in this is just a little bit. Eh. Um, I don't know. Um, it's gotta be because we don't have George R. R. Martin, but I I, I don't have any promises about that. So in the beginning of this has the Hound talking to the Mountain, uh, and you know he says, you know, you know, remember me, yeah. And uh, he's he's the Hound is really sizing up the Mountain. Um, <laughs> Kind of gives him an insult, tells him he's fucking uglier than he is now. Um, but he says, you know, yeah, you know, I'm coming for you, and you know who's coming for you. And uh, it, it sounds like we're about to get a hype fight from them. Um, if we don't, then this is all for nothing. But I think they've really set them up to have something dope happen between those characters. Um, so, so there's some great dialogue between Cersei and uh, the... The other characters that are um, interacting, like Tyrion, um, you know when uh, what's it called? The uh, Danny comes down and makes quite a a power move in front of everyone, making a big scene, um, showing Viseryon uh, in the background and Drogon dropping her off. Um, Cersei is definitely concerned, but she's not as phased as I was expecting. I mean, she still just keeps the same expression on her face. Um, but Danny comes in, lays a power move, um, let's see, anything else, I mean, there's just long shots of, uh, uh, Cersei just looking nasty, and, uh, basically telling her, you know, we've been waiting for a while, so anyways, um, long story short, Tyrion lets everyone know who the real enemy is, um, after being insulted by Euron a little bit, um, Euron is taken out to go get mercenaries from Ethos or Essos or something like that under the Order of the Queen, but she, he, said, he claims to be going to the Iron Throne. This is um, kind of a big deal for probably later developments. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, uh, basically Tyrion is trying to, you know bring everyone together. Jon Snow's also one of those people that jumps in the conversation. Um, he says, you know, that this is the deal with the army, that they don't leave corpses behind, and anyone that doesn't join is basically going to join the army of the dead. And, uh, I don't know, Cersei doesn't really care about it. Even once the Hound brings the, uh, the white in, it just doesn't, I don't know, compute with him that... Or, sorry, it doesn't compute with Cersei that, you know, that they're really a threat. Even though, I, I love the way that the uh, the white is uh, introduced. is kind of kicks out and runs toward everybody. I mean, Jamie looks like he's in, in shock. I can't remember if this is the first time Jaime's seen a, a white. I think it might actually be. Um, but, flashback to uh, when they got the white real quick. Um, I, I don't understand why the white was not destroyed in um, their little battle that they had with the 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 small whites uh, or the you know the white whatever the hell I, there's whites and white walkers I can't really tell the difference in the two I'm I'm sorry um, I I think one of them just might be a little bit more superior and they're not as alien uh, skeletonized um, so anyways when John destroyed all of the whites or you know the lead white walker in that one uh in the beyond the wall scene. It didn't make any sense why this guy would not, you know, disappear like the other Whites did. It just seems plot convenient and uh, contrived, and it's ill-explained. It's not explained at all. So that's what, uh, I don't know, irritates me about this. So flashback to the last episode again. We are in – the Hound takes out the White in front of everybody, and the, the, uh, the White is just screeching and everything um while well, it's been taken it's been cut in half and now Jamie is in shock um Kyburn loves <laughs> loves this you know he he wants to you know inspect it and you know check that arm out that's been sliced off i mean he's he's in full uh he he loves this type of stuff um i forgot the the white is moving on both sides his arms uh, and his legs are both moving even after they're chopped off um, so John demonstrates exactly how all this is going down. Y'all don't need me repeating this the entire thing, but um, I mean, he gives a pretty good demonstration. And uh, since Cersei is, um, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it, she's pregnant. She has something to fight for. So um, yeah, uh, Euron definitely seems concerned. Um, I I guess he. He has the plan to go get the mercenaries for Cersei even before, um, before they see the Whites, which I'm curious if Cersei knew that the Whites were part of the demonstration or truce that they were talking about, so I'm not really sure, it's not really that important now because she knows now, but still, um, it seems like Cersei had this plan in action regardless, um, so, um, he fucks off to go get the mercenaries and, uh, this scene is actually a little bit longer than I was expecting. I mean, we're 26 minutes in, in the hour and a half episode and we're still having a, you know, one of the most important conversations we've, we've wanted to see throughout this entire thing, but none of our characters are aligning on the same page and it feels almost ill defined for the reason that they went to go get the white. I mean, why go get the white if Cersei is not gonna join? So, um, you know, there there just seems to be this conversation that people are not um I don't know, they're not they're not having. Um John and Daenerys have okay chemistry but my goodness him and egret had the chemistry i mean it's night and day in my opinion i mean you can't even compare it um i'll I'll talk about that a little bit later but um in Tyrion, my goodness he's he's been failing so hard as the the hand of the queen i feel like none of his (laughs) no there there hasn't been one good plan from this guy um but uh Tyrion goes um Walks into Cersei's. um, I think it's the hands um, room. Um, Tyrion basically tries to defend himself of what he had to do to father, um, to their father, and uh, he, you know, he tries to explain that he's um, not responsible for the death of her children, and that he cared about them more than anything, and he, you know he tells her, strike me down now, tell tell the mountain to do it now. And, uh, you know, she, it looks like she seriously thinks about it, which is interesting, because there are two times in this episode that Cersei gives a hesitant thought to taking out uh, one of her brothers. Um, I mean, both Tyrion and Jaime at, at separate times. Um, but anyways, um, this is when Tyrion finds out that uh, she's pregnant, and, uh, that she has something to fight for. Um, so Cersei ends up coming back out and uh, explaining that she will help them send forces to fight the Whites, uh, White Walkers and whatever else. And she will join them. And then she turns around and tells Jamie the exact opposite, that she has no intention of doing this. It ain't happening. Don't worry about it i fooling these motherfuckers, and, uh, so, that's how, how, that's how that scene ends, and, um, honestly, Jon and Daenerys should be expecting, you know, um, betrayal on the Lannister side, I mean, they've never been, uh, they've never played fairly in pretty much the entire Game of Thrones, um, but, um, yeah, i what was Cersei's game plan the entire time? I have no idea. Did we have time to think about it? No, we don't. So um, we're going to hop on over to Littlefinger and him trying to put this pry between Sansa and Arya. Okay, so we're going to uh, flashback with Arya real quick on, on this. Um, Arya has had a ridiculous last two seasons. Um, we saw how it ended. We thought it was going to end on a high note. She took out uh, Walder Frey and her, the put the sons in the pies, fed it to him, and, uh, took his face. Now she's Walter Frey at the beginning of season seven. And it opens up with her killing the entire house Frey. Um, the majority of the men, I think the women don't, don't perish. Um, and she removes the mask and it's her. And uh, it, it's a hype beginning, but it doesn't seem, I don't know. They say that it sets the tone for what, the season's going to be, and I don't even know if this season really knows what this season was going to be. I don't feel like there's a through line in tone. Something about this season felt so much like fan fiction throughout the majority of it, and that people had plot armor, and the predictability became much more noticeable once this season became apparent. And I don't know if it's because of the loss of George R.R. R. Martin's writing in this, or if they didn't have direction, or what I'm not really sure what the game plan is or the end game is for the Game of Thrones, uh, what the Avengers end game is for the Game of Thrones. Um, but like I said, I just so many decisions, especially on the Arya front. I mean, um. With the, the Walter Frey stuff at the beginning. I don't know if that set the tone. And then she, she ends up traveling to go see Hot Pie. And she you know she finds out about John. Why didn't she know about John before? Um, You know, being the King of the North or whatever. And uh, then from there she goes to see Ed Sheeran for a little bit. That honestly did not bother me. I, it kind of felt like a little... I don't know. I feel like no one's going to give a shit who Ed Sheeran was playing... On, you know, season seven of Game of Thrones in several years I feel like there was a blown out out of proportion Saying that, you know, oh, who's this guy singing? I mean, there's people singing throughout the entire series I don't feel like it's out of place at all I mean, um, it it humanizes the the Lannister soldiers a little bit And, I mean, later during Spoils of War We see how scared they are And so it kind of leads into feeling bad for, you know, these characters later so, um basically Arya gets back to uh Winterfell and she starts having um she instantly has a problem with Sansa and her role as Queen of Winterfell. Uh or sort of basically Queen of Winterfell, you know, she's running it. She's always been kind of spiteful of of uh Sansa, but the entire time they're bickering, it doesn't feel organic to what they would to what they would be saying. It it, it doesn't feel like these characters would ever be um, arguing in the way they are. They feel like they are much more mature than, than the writers are giving them credit for. And for some reason, they just feel that, I don't know, that the viewers watching this week to week, I remember a lot of people were infuriated, infuriated, infuriate, infu- I can't say it, infuriated, infuriated. Okay. Okay. So, um, a lot of people were upset about the Littlefinger Sansa Arya um, storyline, and many people thought that you know Littlefinger was you know smarter than that. And I, I, it's hard to disagree with what the you know they're thinking, but I also think that he was never, um, you know, three steps ahead in uh, the majority of the scenarios um, with having the Stark kids as the ones that would take him out ultimately in the end. Um, I heard a lot of people were upset with, uh, Bran knowing everything and not sending any ravens out, which I kind of agree. I don't understand why Bran was not involved more with the Beyond the Wall episode. I feel like that should have been, um, definitely a keynote for the majority of people. Um, so, um... Yeah, there there was many times throughout the ser- this series where they had this fast travel, and we have characters that know tons of information that we have to basically put on ice, such as Bran. But there was I didn't see any legitimate reason why we shouldn't have Bran sending ravens to to John, giving him this information. Why didn't he help him in all these scenarios? Um, I understand that it. It, it seems that Bran is seeing only the past But I mean if he's seeing the past Then it's the constant past So he's technically seeing things uh, You know present as well So um it, I don't know I, You can really nitpick when it comes down to characters That know uh, the future The past and you know the present All that shit um, But anyways Um let me see Let me see Um so later we know how Sansa and Arya and Littlefinger end up. Arya is told by Sansa to um remove Littlefinger be for a list of things. I mean, I mean he did kill their aunt among many things and conspired to kill Jon Aaron and I think he actually was responsible for in the Jon Aaron killings. Um but I was um I don't know. We're we're just going to just continue on. Um Theon and John talk after the um after the conversation of uh after the meeting they have, you know, the the war council meeting. Um I'm kind of done with Theon. I even after the rewatch um you do it humanizes him a lot. I still don't give a shit about him now. I, he's reverted back to uh, uh, a coward so many times that I'm ready for him to be taken off screen. Or he needs to s- sacrifice himself for Yara. Um, Yara was taken out with the sand snakes by Euron at the very beginning of the season and. Um, first of all, that battle is really hard to see. It's at night, and it's, uh, I want to see more of it, but it's so dark. Um, so, um, Euron definitely proves himself as more of a pirate when he gets down to, uh, the battle. But still, um, Reek comes back out when Yara needs him the most. Interesting that she had called him his, uh, her protector, um, to Alarius, uh, Sand, Right before that, they were taken. So, let's see. Let's see. Uh, John gives him some sound advice, but basically, why are you still talking to me? Go take your island. Go take your. You know. Go save your sister. Um. Let's see. Jesus is a long, long. Okay. So, uh, Theon walks out on the beach, and it's some of his. uh, Some of the men that had actually pulled him out of the water um are kind of heckling him and whatnot and saying he's a coward and uh him and this guy get in a fucking fist fight and um Theon's basically like you know buck you man um and so he Theon gets his ass kicked until the guy ends up kneeing him into the crotch and Theon is just all of a sudden like That's actually my superpower. When you hit me in the crotch three times, then I become super Theon or super reek. And, uh, uh, oh my gosh, I'm looking at this choreography again. Some of it is pretty bad, honestly, um, this, on this fight, but Theon gets hit in the crotch several times after getting his ass kicked, which doesn't make any sense why it would make him stronger at all. Why would, why would that make you stronger? Um, I don't know. But anyways, once he gets hit in the crotch, he starts wailing back on the other guy. The entire boating, uh, everybody, uh, all the island islanders are just like looking at him and then just start yelling, you know, uh, you know, Theon for Yara, you know, that type of shit. And, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous how quick these uh, uh, ironborn just you know, turn on this one guy and they're one second they're heckling Theon and the next second they're just like, Yay Theon. <laughs> it, um I don't know. It's shot beautifully toward the end when he's uh going down on the beach and some of the best sim- cinematography when it's uh on the beach, but uh I don't know what is the deal with the Iron Islanders. It's uh <laughs> they 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 don't take much to be convinced. Um yeah, so the men are like, yeah, for Yara, (laughs) and so, yeah, we want to see Theon go save his sister, but we, I'm, I literally am about tired of Theon's bullshit throughout the entire season, I'm glad we didn't have to deal with it the majority of the time, um, back in Winterfell, I think this is actually the trial where Littlefinger is uh, taken out by um, Arya, and so one thing I didn't um, disclose was there is a deleted scene in Season 7 that has Bran, Sansa, and Arya all talking and Bran explaining that Littlefinger has been conspiring against y'all. And uh, it's like, well, why did you remove that from, you know, the viewer's attention? Because naturally we would want Bran to tell them this anyway. I mean, I don't, apparently the showrunners say, throughout the majority of Season 7, they are bickering. Sansa and Arya are bickering. But, um, it's somewhere along Episodes 5 or 6 that they come together and Bran tells them about, you know, Littlefinger, which is a scene that I think we would need to see. I think this is a vital scene. Almost any scene with Bran where he's explaining anything is probably... An important scene we need to see. So, Littlefinger is surprised that he's being taken out in this manner. He basically begs for his life. And I love uh, the performance uh, of Sansa. Um, It's great character work. And um, what is her name? Sophia Turner? Is that her name? Sophie Turner? Um, Yeah, I loved Sophie Turner's... uh, uh, delivery in this, um, one of my favorite, uh, let's see, so basically, is taken out, and once they start listing the crimes, Yance is like, that is it, I'm taking you out, you know, um, it made me wonder why Littlefinger is even involved in this in the first place, um, the whole aria the whole aria threatening Sansa stuff throughout season seven is ridiculous. I'm not going to go through it that much because it's just so, so contrived and, uh, I hated it. And it sucks because those are two characters we, we want to see work together by this time. We don't want to see them, um against each other and so the majority of the time in season seven we see them conspiring or we see them arguing with each other which kind of takes away from the scenes um speaking of arguing where you were back over with uh, Cersei and Jamie and uh Jaime's learning about the real plans for Euron and how he's been left out of the loop and how she doesn't trust him anymore uh, mostly because I think he went and talked to Tyrion and stuff like that um and I guess you know he let Tyrion out when he was in the um uh, when he was a prisoner a while back. So um, it was kind of interesting to see the fluctuation of Cersei and Jamie throughout the season. Um, you know, they they were... He was pretty madly in love uh, the middle of last season. I think that was... Jamie was pretty madly in love in the middle of last season. And, uh, you know, I would do anything for Cersei. And by the end of this season, he's basically leaving. Um, so, um, let's see... He is not too thrilled about being left out of the loop. Um, she, they, they basically make a split. Um, and he wonders if the mountain is going to, um, you know, take take him down. And uh, honestly, let's see. It. Our children are gone, our father is gone. It's just me and you now. There's one more yet to come. Give the order. Oh, I thought he was done right then. I was like, oh, he is so done right there. That music. So, Jamie walks out on uh, Cersei, and uh, it makes me so pumped to see where he goes for uh, the end of this. I mean, is he going to go to the north? Many people think he's going to go to the north. He's going to have to confront Bran. That's going to be an interesting combo. But, uh, yeah, I, I. thought it was one of the best uh best scenes so we get one of the rare um wide shots of um king's landing and we see the snow has arrived to king's landing and uh it's fallen on jamie's uh glove and so we flash on over to oh sorry we get a wide shot we got several wide shots of king's landing and um It looks like different places of King's Landing that are experiencing the snow. Um, But, let's see. Alright, so we see Sam Tali arrive to go see Bran. And uh, speaking of Bran, we had one scene with Mira earlier, and it sucks the way that Bran and Mira um, leave off. I mean, he says that he's not Bran anymore. He's the three-eyed raven, but raven but i mean he's still kind of a jackass to Mira. so um i hate that that's the last scene with them too I, I hope it's not the last one i hope we get her later in a little bit of season eight so um sam and bran um are together and sam uh offhandedly mentions that you know the uh, annulment of uh, uh of a previous marriage involving rhaegar and i think it was liana and so that they were um Um, They were actually in love And Bran is there to confirm That there was uh, It was consensual That they were in love That the uh, RL equals J It's uh, you know The R plus L equals J Bran confirms that You know um, He's the son of uh, Rhaegar And his aunt Liana And uh, This is kind of Intertwined with, um, let me see, Bran seeing Rhaegar and Lyanna have their, um, have their, uh, wedding vows, um, told, and this, this is also cross-edited with Jon Snow appearing at Daenerys's door, and them, uh, making love, and we also are finding out, oh, and Tyrion outside creeping it up, um, I don't even know what to say about that, I have no idea, that was so weird, um, outside the door creeping it up, um, Jon and Daenerys end up, you know, making love, but it's also cross-edited with, you know, Bran, uh, finding out the, you know, the name of John and, uh, with, you know, him looking at young Ned and Liana having the baby, and then it cross, crosses over between Jon and Daenerys having love again, and it is just a uh, crazy fucking uh, last couple scenes that we get with them, and there's still 15 minutes left. I remember watching for the first time thinking, this is weird. I, I, I like, I mean... Even the Jamie Cersei stuff felt a little bit more natural than this. This just feels weird. I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to get from this. And we see um, Tyrion kind of walking slowly back to his room. What the hell did he expect? I mean, John and Danny are two people that are you know I, I don't understand what they were expecting I don't know why Tyrion's you know being like an old sad sack that they're hooking up together was he he's not invited or something like that or does he wish he was John or he was Daenerys does he want to hook up with John? I don't like I don't <laughs> I don't understand why that scene is in there and I don't feel like it's uh definitely not explained um Love the last scene with Arya and uh, Sansa kind of finally being on the same page and how they said how they miss, you know, Ned. And, you know, that's the stuff that we wanted to see the entire time. We wanted to see them on the same page, you know. Um, And Bran ends up warging into... Some ravens that take him to the wall where Tormund, Giant Spain, and Don Dondarrion is. And the, uh, what's it called, king? The Night King and the Whites are all lining up at the wall to wait for the Ice Dragon. With the blue ice breath, fire ice breath or whatever, to take it down. And it, uh... It's a crazy fucking scene. I had heard this was going to happen in a couple of uh, prediction podcasts that um, this might happen. Um, all the main characters, I believe, live Derek Dondarrion and uh, Tormund Giant Spain. I think they all have plot armor on in this Um I don't know how I feel about the blue fire yet, I a little bit iffy about it, but I, I was glad that we finally got to see how Eastwatch um, and how the wall meets the ocean and how that really works. And so, um, yeah, it's it's been a crazy fucking season and uh, with all this happening, I mean, they're, they're gonna be down in the north in no time. So this was one of the mid-tier season finales for me, but uh, I, I really enjoy everyone listening to the podcast, listening along with us. Um, get hype! It's season eight, season. All our favorite characters. Who's who's gonna live? Who's gonna die? Tweet us. Let us know. Social media. Find out everything you know in the show notes. Thank you for listening to the Lucky Dog podcast. Email us for comments, questions, concerns at the Lucky Dog. Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening in Piggedees. When the snows fall and the white winds blow, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives.